All right, all right, Faith Promise. How are we doing this weekend? You doing well? You guys awake? Okay, I, number one, I need you guys to know, when I preach, the Vols win, okay? So feel free, amen, all right, take some miracle, and I'm here, no, I'm just joking. So, hey, we are so glad you're here. My name is Zach Stevens, you don't know me. I get the honor uh, to be our global student pastor and also uh, the Farragut Campus pastor. Hey, I, I wanna start out with something pretty special uh, th this weekend, and so what I'm gonna need you to do, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard, but I'm gonna need you to hold your applause till the end, okay? I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna say some stuff, not just me preaching, that's worth applause, but that's not what we're talking about right now, okay? Uh, no, but I'm gonna, I wanna talk about something that's worth, but I, I just want you to wait till the end so we can give it all the honor that it's due. Uh, October um, is Pastor Appreciation Month. And at Faith Promise, we're so focused on God, a lot of times we never stop to take a moment to honor God's people. And so we have so many phenomenal pastors on staff at Faith Promise. And not just, when I say staff, I'm not just talking about the people that collect a paycheck, uh, but I mean, there's hundreds of pastors, whether they're volunteer staff, whether they're staff, who do such a phenomenal job. And there's no way I can cover all of them, uh, from our group's pastors, to our student pastors, to our kids' pastors. But I do want to take a moment and just thank the men and women who lead our campuses. Uh, and so again, I know it's gonna be hard. You're just gonna, you guys gonna hold it at the campuses. I know the North Knox campus, you're a bunch of crazy people. Y'all probably all painted up for Mike, cause you know it's October. Uh, but um, so, uh, Pastor uh, Brandon and Lindsay at our Campbell Camp, so grateful for them. And Pastor Robbie DeJernet and Cassie at our Anderson Campus, just so grateful. Uh, Pastor Mike Baker uh, and Candace at our North Knox Campus. Pastor Kyle uh, and Mel at our Blunt Campus. And Pastor um, Josh Whitehead and Kim at our Pellissippi uh, location. And then Pastor uh, Zach, myself, but mostly Rachel at our Farragut location, um, my, my wife. But, uh, but we, we get to do all that um, and, and we get to lead and live in such a way, not only on staff, but also as a church, uh, because God has absolutely anointed uh, uh, Pastor Chris and Michelle. And you can go look at uh, churches that do what we're, what God's doing at Faith Promise, and you'll find men and women of God who have this long like lineage of like pastors, and they're like they're like the fourth, fourth or fifth generation pastors. But you look at at our senior pastor and where God brought him from. The, it, I love it because it, God gets all the honor and glory for what's going on at Faith Promise Church, and we're so grateful. So can we, at all of our locations, can we stand to our feet and give honor to the men and women? Let's go ahead and stand up and just be grateful to them, pastors. Thank you so much for all you do. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much, pastors. I know the pastors would hate that I would do that because they do not, they, that's obviously not why they, they do what they do. They do it because they want to bring glory and honor to God, but also because they want to serve you well and they want to see you reach your full potential. Now we're in a phenomenal series called Revival. A few months ago, pastor really felt God lead him that we're going to experience revival as a church. Uh, so what that means is when we get that as a staff, we start pressing in and pursuing that. We, I, I, me and my family, we change our studies and we focus on it to, uh, to, to uplift the vision of where God has taken us, and that is through you, that's through everybody at all of our locations, so, so that's what we shift towards. So we're in a series called Revival, and if you've missed any of the weeks, I, can, I just can't express to you enough, you have to go watch them. Get the app, get online, and if, if I could just be totally honest with you, you need, even, if you, even if you were here, you, you need to go listen to them again. Uh, Pastor Chris did the first two weeks, and they were a 
just phenomenal. And Micah did, did last week. And it's just, it's just life-altering. And I hope that you would go. It's a great thing to do in your quiet time, whatever that looks like. It's been a great, great series. But as we wrap it up, I want to slow down for a moment. And I want to look at what revival is, okay? And I want to look at the part that we play in it. What is revival and the part that we play? So we're going to be very practical today. But my desire is that you would participate in this message in the fashion of finding yourself. I want you to find yourself. See, what, what, what matters so much is our posture. Our posture really matters. So I have to ask you, what is your posture? Because you can have something you so desperately want or desire, but you can miss it due to bad posture. Like, let's just say driving. There's some people who have some pretty poor posture whilst driving. So I'll tell you, I'm a Christian. I'm a man of God. I love the Lord, and rarely do I lose my temper. But when I pull up to a red light, and there's somebody in front of me, and the light turns green, which means go. And this person sits there. And you can see their phone lit up. You can see it, you know, through that back window, that little window, and you can see their phones on, and you're praying just, God, send the frogs on. You know, you're just, ooh, I hope they don't get any followers. I hope they've dropped cell phone reception. You're just praying bad stuff on them, right? I personally think, as the man of the Lord I am, I personally feel that I've had instances where I've missed red lights because adult human beings have looked at their cell phone and not went. Or those people who it turns yellow, then they go, and you have to wait again. Oh, yeah. You ever, you know, Lee and Mason deal, I will find you, and I will kill you. Right? No, no. So, so uh, I, I feel like it should be legal if you miss a red light that you get to slowly push that person into the intersection, and whatever happens, happens. It's in the Lord's hand. No, no. But so, so it's important. Okay, if we're clapping over that, it's going to get weird this weekend. Okay, so, um, but your posture is important. So what's your posture as it pertains to revival? Is our posture a posture of hoping that some sinners get right? Is our posture one of elbowing somebody else saying, you need to hear this, you need to live this way, you know, sending stuff to our kids, uh, hoping our neighbors understand this? Is our posture one of confusion? We're not quite sure how we're supposed to respond. Is our posture one of fear? If, if I give into this, if I live this love relationship with the Father, that I'll have to change my life? Is, is your posture one of just, of, of just it, it, it's, it's just whatever, because I'm just here kind of checking off a box. What, what is our posture? I really do believe that God-honoring biblical posture that we're supposed to have is one of humility. It's one of brokenness. It's one that just at a deep guttural level that we desire a close love relationship with the Father, not only for ourselves, but for everybody else that we encounter. That I believe that that is the posture that God wants us to have. So that means we have to be looking at what we need to do. If you're looking around hoping other people hear the message and hoping other people catch a whole revival, then we're missing it. See, the word is a mirror, not a window. The word is a mirror, not a window. In James, it talks about the Bible as a mirror to see what you need to do, but so often we use it as a window to look and judge other people. That's not why God gave it to us. So we need to know what do we need to do to experience revival, which we're going to talk very practically this weekend about how to do. So we need to know what we need to do, but, but also, can I just tell you this? A personal revival will spark a shared revival. 
I'll say it again, a personal revival will spark a shared revival. A revival in our church, a revival in our community, a revival in our country. But let's not look out at our country and hope other people change. In the first week, Pastor talked about probably just the quintessential revival passage in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and, and, you know, and pray, I, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land, right? So, but he didn't say, if the government will call on my name, if, 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 the, if the landlord will call on my name, if, if so, he said, if my people who are called by my name, we are not, as, as God's people, we are not victims, right? We, 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 we are owners and we do what God called us to do. This is our world that we've been called to live in revival in such a way where the world is affected in, in, in such a way that they can't miss what God has. It's going to be difficult. But let me tell you, a personal revival is not easier, but it's better. Personal revival is not easier, but it is better. Now, revival is not a one-time event. I know we have a series called Revival. This is not because we expect revival right now. This is because we are trying to describe what a lifestyle of revival looks like. See, in, in, in America, we've got our schedules and tighten it. This is how it goes. When the bell rings, I go here. When my notification goes off, I go there. This is my work break. So we have all these delineations, right? But that God calls us to a lifestyle. He calls us to where this is what you think, this is what you believe, this is how you live. In, in, in a very well-known passage, John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, when we hear that, when we talk about either perishing, going to hell, or eternal life, going to heaven, bam, an event at the end of my life. But if I could submit to you, it's something so much greater than that. This is not an end-of-life thing. This is a lifestyle thing. See, we can live a life of constantly perishing. We can live a lifestyle of constantly death. Romans 6.23, we'll talk about a little later. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. We can have this life of revival, this life of life with John 10, 10, life and life to the full. God died to offer that to us. He sacrificed Jesus to offer that to us. Not something at the end of our life, but something we can live in today, something tangible. And listen, revival, it's, again, it's not just an event. It's not something that, that, that we can just put in this box and it, and it comes out whenever, whenever it's, it's convenient or necessary. This is a lifestyle that has real results. In, in, um, in, in Wales, uh, the, it's called the Welsh Revival. It's very well documented. You can look it up. In 1904, the Welsh Revival broke open with a young man. I think he was 32. And he preached to a room, I think, of 14 people. Six months later, 100,000 people had given their life to Christ. Because when God's people live this life of authentic love relationship with Dad, Abba, God, revival happens. I really do believe, this is my core conviction, that revival is God's will and it's his will for our life. i say it one more time. I know it sounds good. I believe that revival is God's will and his will for our life. What do I mean by that? I think it's his will, that it's how he wants us to live, right? It's his will, it's what his desire is for our life. But I also believe it's his will, it was his dying testament that we would live this life. Right, go out and make disciples in my name, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, go out, cast out demons, go out, heal the sick, go out, go out with authority and power. It's His will for our life, what He desires for us, but also His will, what He asked us to do. So, this is what I want to walk away with this weekend revival is available. Revival is available. So, if it's God's will 
and it's available, then why don't we see it more often? I think what we need to do is we need to clear out some smoke from the word revival, from what that looks like, and we need to walk in it as a church. At some point, somebody has to say enough is enough, and we are going to sell out to this thing. We are going to live this thing, and I, it is me and my family, for we will serve the Lord. It's me and my family. We desire that this would be us. Revival is available. This is what God has for us. Let's pray and ask God to move. Father, we come to you this weekend, and we just... Dad, we please, please go far beyond our message, far beyond our worship. And God, there's, there's people at all of our camps that have this preconceived notion of relationships and of love and of you. And would you just please erase it? Would you just supernaturally just invade this place? God, you are welcome in all of our campuses. In the great Welsh revival, they pray, bend us. Please bend us, God, in such a way where we experience what you, what you design and not what we design. What you want and not what we want. God, would you replace it? Please, please, God. Let us experience a love relationship with you that we'll never, ever, ever get over. God, we love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So pastor talked about week one, revival, revive. Re means again, and vibe means alive. Revival, right? Revival, so revive. So that means again, and to live again, to, to, to be alive again. So just so we know, that, that's the definition of it. But Henry Blackaby, who I've been studying lately, has this definition of revival that I think is so, so strong. Revival is a divinely, uh, a divinely initiated work, so it's God started, in which God's people pray, repent of their sins, and return to a holy, spirit-filled, obedient, love relationship with God. This is huge. And we could just talk about this for, for, for the, uh, just hours. But it's a God-initiated divine work, right, where God's people pray, repent from their sins, and they return to a holy Spiritful, obedient, love relationship with God. This is big. This, this has been kind of rocking my world. And I really do, I believe this to the core of who I am, that there are a progression. Actually, I learned this from Pastor Henry Blackaby, that there, 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 there is a progression of revival. See, and it doesn't matter who you are or where you are or what you are, you are in the progression to revival. You may say, Zach, I don't know Jesus. I'm just here because I heard the pastor's good looking. And he is. You're welcome. Okay, no, but, but you, 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 you may not know why you're here. Listen, you were made by God and for God. That means you are on the progression to be made alive again. So whether you're following after God, God's got another level of life for you. Whether you're running from God, you know him, but you're running. He's going to make you alive again. Whether you've never been made alive, he is going to make you alive. Everybody is on the progression to revival. So that's what we're going to walk through today. We're going to walk through the seven progressions of revival, and here's my deepest desire is that you would find yourself. We're going to walk through here, and I want you to find where are you in this, and I will show you where you need to go. Not me, but through God's Word, show you where you need to go. So what we need to know first and foremost, as we're on this progression to revival, is where God is. Because revival is where God is. Revival is where God is. So God is always on mission. First, we have to know where God is. If, we're, if you're going to have a love relationship with anybody, you have to know where they are. You have to have a relationship with them. So God is on mission. I know growing up, I had such a hard time, like, like kind of delineate, like, what's God's word? What's the Holy Spirit? What do I do? Guys, we can always know where God is. God is on mission, pursuing his people, serving other people, drawing people in. That's what, around the world, that's what he's doing right now. John 3, 16, as we said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten 
begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is where God is. God is not hiding. We know right where he is. And because of this, this is why revival is available. Remember, revival is available. God is on mission, and he's inviting us to be there with him. But what tends to happen, we give our life to Christ, we're on mission, but we tend to depart. We tend to depart, we depart from God and turn to our own ways. This is called sin. What I need us to know, this happens to all of us. We will be in a much more free place when we stop trying to make the person beside us, whether a stranger or our spouse, think that this is not the reality. This is just the reality. This, we, we, we all had this sin nature that we're fighting. Everybody, right? Jesus is the only one that fought it off to perfection, and he did that so he could die on the cross to save us. But listen, Paul, Peter, everybody, everybody you look at, we all departed. We will live in much more freedom. The key to revival is knowing, hey, I did depart. What do I do after I depart, right? This is why we do next steps. We do next steps because so we know what we're supposed to do. This week at all of our campuses on next steps, we're talking about how we grow, getting in a group, making a growth plan, doing those things. We all depart, so we have to know where are we going to go from there. Because I think a lot of us get stuck here, and this is where we live. But we do not have to. But just, just so we know, just because I think some of us think that we invented sin, I promise. You did not. Or maybe you don't sin. It's just me. Who knows? So this verse is just for me. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, right to a woman, but its end is in the way of death. Remember, that death, that is not the end of your life. Some of us are living a lifestyle of death because we choose that over and over again. And it, 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 it seems right to a man. It seems right to a woman. It's not, but it seems that way, so we pursue it. Right? It, it is what has plagued mankind more frequently than anything else. Is it seems like we will throw away our priceless relationship with God for anything that captures our attention at the moment. We depart from God. What do we do after that? Because there is more. We're all, God's still on mission. God's people, we depart. We get disciplined. I, I know this is kind of a cuss word now, discipline, right? We're not allowed to spank our babies. I get that. So, but but let, let's, let's just look at it in God's economy for just one moment. God loves you too much. Listen, dad loves you too much to leave you. Dad loves you too much to leave you. He will pursue you. And any, any lifestyle you live that is in sin, his love will pursue you in such a way to make it unfruitful, to make it shallow, to make it, make it purposeless, and make it painful. I'm telling you, I think we've all been there. And some of us, we, we live in such a life of discipline. If I could just tell you, our world, our nation, we live in a world that is being disciplined by God with a 58% divorce rate, with addiction, with anxiety. And since, here's the deal. Since we live with these disciplines, we think that it's normal. That is not normal. A revival life is one outside of God's discipline into God's freedom. But first, that, this, this is where we, where we live. We have to, just to give you some motivation, we have to step out of this part of the cycle so that the people around us can know that there's something better. God has something better. In Hebrews 4 or Hebrews 12, it says that he disciplines those whom he loves. God loves us too much to leave us. So we depart. We get disciplined. We've all been there. We've all experienced that, but it's not over. It's not over. That's why we, we get disciplined so we can see that revival is available. We can get it because God is not going to let us live. Dad loves us too much. And sometimes there is punishment to bring us back. It's just how it is. 
If my, my daughter's going to play in the street, you best believe she can get a spanking. Well, why would you do that? Because I love her. And I don't want to lose her over something silly because she doesn't know better. God is going to discipline us to bring us back. Dad loves us too much to leave us. So God is on mission. God's people, we depart. We get disciplined. We cry out. We cry out. I think a lot of us get stuck right here because we think, well, if I cry out, then how is God going to respond because of what I did? Listen, God's response to us is never predicated on what we did, but on what Jesus did. So God's response to us is never predicated on what we did, but it's always predicated on what Jesus did. Here's what we have to stop doing. We ha I, we're, we're going through this study, the Fresh Encounter study, where I got this stuff out in my small group, and it was, I mean, it is intense. Because we talked about this, and what we're doing is we're projecting ourselves onto God. And we think, well, I wouldn't forgive me if I did this again, so we think there's no way God will, so I'll just try to earn his affection back. Listen, that, that, that's why Lou Giglio says this right here. I love this so much. When we feel like we don't deserve a second chance, remember, you didn't deserve the first one. You know what I'm saying? The currency that got you into this relationship is the currency that will sustain you, which is the one of grace and love and mercy and hope. Never, ever, ever was it your works. Never, ever, ever was it your earnings. We do not live in a trade relationship with the Father. This is not a give and take. This is a 100% one-sided relationship, and we have to put away that American culture and say, I got to earn it. No. No. We don't. We have to love it. And we have to fall in love with it in such a way that everything about us changes. So we cry out. He hears us. He hears us. So revival is available. It's still available. Even, even at this point, that baby is still available. So we keep on going in this progression of revival. God on mission, God's people, we depart. We get disciplined, we cry out, and we get the opportunity to repent and return or perish. If I could just be firm for a moment. I get just absolutely furious at what we've done to the word repent. It's ridiculous. Repent is one of the most positive words in the Bible. It is a positive, successful, beautiful, amazing, scandalous love of a word. But we've, 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 we've changed it because we want to earn it and because we, 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 we're not sure how God feels about it. Guys, when we repent, God hears us and loves us, right? And so there, there's no one who knows God except, except for Jesus. So Jesus tells of a parable in Luke 15, you can read in your quiet time this week, where he talks about the prodigal son. So he tells exactly how God will respond when we repent and return. See, in the prodigal son, whenever the son, right, he goes away, he departs, he gets disciplined by losing all of his money, all of his relationships, he's all by himself, he feels that discipline, he says, I'm going to cry out, so he writes out this speech about, God, Dad, please forgive me, and I'm not worthy to be your slave, and all this stuff, but when he is still a long way off, Dad saw him. When he's still a long way off, dad saw him. How did dad respond? He says, we think God, God's responding with these, these folded arms. I can't believe you did that. No, he tucked his robe up and he ran. And then, and then the son started in on that, that begging, right? Oh, dad, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy to be a slave. I can't believe I did that. And I love it because how many of us have prayed that prayer? I know I have constantly. God, I'm so sorry. I'm not worthy of your love. And I love it. Dad doesn't hear it. He doesn't even hear it. 
Bring this man a ring, bring him a robe, kill the fattened calf. We're gonna celebrate because my son that was used to be dead is now alive. It's, it's, it's a celebration and it's, it's actually such a good example of how you can be alive and dead at the same time. Because he's holding his son and he's saying, bring me something because this son that was dead is now alive. That's God's response. Because he wants you to live a life of life, a life of revival, of being alive again not a life of perishing. And he wants it so bad. So when we get the opportunity to return and repent, we do it. Now you say, Zach, but it also says perish there. You're right. Because this is not a halfway relationship. That's why in Romans 6.23 it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. You say, well, Zach, well, if he loves me so much, why is there no gray area there? There's no gray area because he loves you so much. If you came home and your spouse was cheating on you, would you have a gray response? I believe so. We'd be a red response for the blood, right? So it, it, it's different. That's why in the Bible, when it talks about us walking away from God, it uses the analogy of adultery because we are in a all-encompassing relationship, a love relationship. It doesn't use garnished wages. Right? It doesn't use, it doesn't use, it, it uses adultery because it's this full love relationship that we have been called to. So guys, that's what it is. And some of us are stuck right here because we want to halfway repent. Nope. That's not how it works. But God wants to repent us, whatever that pet sin is, whatever that thing, whether you don't want to let it go or whether you think you can't, guys, there's life past this right here. There's life past this. Revival is available because it's God's desire for you. God is on mission. God's people, we depart, we get disciplined, we cry out, we repent and return, and then revival happens. I'm, I, boy, I, revival happens. I could just get so excited and just destroy my easel, but I have more services to preach, right? Here's what we do. Imagine how crazy this is. You know what we do? We go, we, we go away from God, we depart, we discipline, we cry out, we repent, and we go right back up here to depart. And we never even get to the, to the good part. Imagine how God feels. The first time, he's like, that must be a joke. They're just tricking me out. They're just going back. Okay, they're going to go back around. No, and then we get in this cycle, and this right here, the euphoric revival life that Jesus died to give us, we never enter into it for some reason. Some of us, because we don't feel like we deserve it, so we have to go punish ourselves again. Jesus was punished enough. There's no reason for you to have to go back over there. Jesus bought that, amen? Amen, that, that's available. That's available. Maybe it's because you don't know how. Guys, whenever you repent, it is over. It is over. And then you move into revival. And then you move into pursuing God. And, but, but what about my works and all that stuff? Your works don't matter. What matters is this love relationship. Guys, love moves you. So if you're worried about working hard and you're worried about moving and you're worried about witnessing, just fall in love with this God who gave everything for you, it'll be all right. Nothing motivates like love motivates. So let's move, let's repent and return and move into revival. Revival is available because it is your design. There's, there's, there's going to be 8,000 plus people worshiping with us this weekend. And there's some of us who feel like we're not living up to our potential. And we don't understand why. Well, we don't understand why because we're not living in revival, which is what you were made to do. Right? You don't see a bunch of people taking Ferraris uh, um, off-roading, do you? 
No, it wasn't their design. They, they, they were designed to do something else. You were not designed to live in death. You, it, it's actually an oxymoron. You were designed to live a free, a love-filled life and not one that you have to earn, but one that you just get to revel in. And that's why, God's people, we depart. We get disciplined out of love. We cry out and he hears us. We repent and we return. We experience revival and then there is spiritual awakening. And then our crime rates drop and then our divorce rate plummets and then adoption rates go through the roof and then families are restored and then addictions go away and then anxiety ceases. It's amazing what happens up here, right? When God's people. But so many of us live right here in this cycle. Faith promise, it's time for us to say, no, I'm gonna live up here. And if I mess up, hey, you know what? Sometimes we mess up, that's fine. Do you know the purpose I think you mess up? You know the purpose? I, I think that God, that I think that I, I, I trip sometimes, you know why? If you go through this thing, it's not to punish you, it's to bring somebody with you. Every time you go through this thing, you just better be looking, right? You cry out, cry, God, be looking. Who are you taking? Grab somebody, say, God, we don't have to stay here. Let's get on out of here, right? And just move, move, right? And then whenever you get to work or, or group or wherever you're at, and there's this big line of people right here, just start kicking them out of the way, right? There's too many people living in a life that, and that's not where God designed them to live. God designed them to life and life to the full. This is the progression of revival. Where? Are you? Maybe you've never been made alive again. Maybe you've never received this relationship with God. In, in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him the dead for your sins, you will be saved. It doesn't matter if you're right here. This right here, it's up to you. This can take years. This can take tonight. Amen. That's the kind of God that we serve. So, hey, let's do it right now. Would you bow your hand, close your eyes with me? If tonight, we're going to do as a family, faith promise, we don't do things alone. So we're going to pray this prayer together. I ask you if you pray it with us. Let's pray right now. Say, Jesus, I know I've sinned, but I know you died to forgive my sins, to invite me in to a love relationship, unconditional love. I will live for you because you died for me. You accept me. I'll accept you. Amen. Hey, if you gave your life to Christ, there's something in the seat back pot in front of you called a communication card. We'd love for you to fill that out and drop it in the bucket as it goes by. We're about to enter into our time of generosity. But hey, hey, stay with me. Where are you in this? Because we're about to give generously and God is so good. But can, can I just tell you, God does not want us to live what if, but God wants us to live as if revival is available. This is what God has called faith promised to. This is who we were made to be. So as we give generously, I need you to do some work with God. I need you to find out, because God is far more concerned with your heart than with your cash. But hey, I'm so grateful that we give. I'm so grateful that you're generous. I know we're in hurricane season right now, and, and, and it's, it's, it's been really hard, but it, it's, it's really special what you guys do through your generosity. Last year, 
there was a really tough hurricane in Puerto Rico, uh, Maria, and just through y'all's generosity, we were able to give over 800,000 meals away, 1,100 uh, water filters so that people could have water, two airplane loads of, of, of relief stuff. And something else that's really special is you get, through what you guys did, you guys made it to where 44,000 indigenous people could go to church when all of every, there was no way outside of your generosity. And we know of at least 150 people who entered into a revival relationship because of that generosity. Our God is good. Our God is never done because he loves us. His love is too great. So I'm about to pray and we're gonna be generous, but we're gonna worship. You may need to make an altar to your seat. You may need to come up here. Where are you at in this revival progression? Please, if I've ever said anything from God, ever, it's the fact that He wants you so bad to live in revival on mission, hand in hand with our Father. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for you. It's so grateful that we get to give. It's a supernatural deal to get to give. It's a supernatural opportunity to invite. This is a, to give is a family deal, and you've invited us into the family. God, as, as we're generous, but God, as we do work with you, would you convict us? Would you draw us in? Would you give us the privilege of repenting and entering into a revival relationship with you on mission, pushing? God, we love you, and we're grateful. It's, your precious, it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's worship in our generosity.